Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Following on, Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. What a performance. Welcome to the show. I'm Steve Armisen and this is following on Ashes Inquest here on TalkSport. It's been another eventful Ash, day of Ashes cricket and one that England was second best for much of the day despite winning a helpful toss. They had to wait just before lunch, the lunch break before they took their first wicket. Drop catches once again costing them. He's dropped it. It went quickly it should have been taken. Warner gets a life on 20. That might be what he just needs. Australia opener Usman Khawaja was given and given a life in the opening session and Warner was made sure, made sure that he was going to make the most of the let-off. He passed 50 and also another familiar foe did. Yes. Well, sees that through cover. That will be 50 for Steve Smith. Smith and Abishan put on over 100 for the third wicket and looked really punish. A tyrant England attack before Josh Tung struck again to remove Marnus. But instead of breathing life, a breath of fresh air, life into the England attack. Unfortunately, that wicket came and Australia increasingly upped their run rate and Travis Head in this familiar destructive style. England were being to look a little bit raggy, only for Joe Root to step up when it really counted. Sudden in the blink of an eye, Joe Root has two and England have five. Big, <clears throat> a big thanks to Sky Sports for those headlines. So England hit back. Steve Smith still there at stumps on 85 and England can expect oh, to be on the back foot for most of this test match from here. So we want to hear what you have to think. Please pick up the phone, call the show, give us a give us a call on 03717 or text us on 81089. You're listening to Following On, Ashes Inquest here on TalkSport. 
Well, it's been a frustrating day for England on day one. Second test match at Lords and watching for Talk Sport was John Norman. Yeah, Harmy. I mean, I'd love to get your views on it uh, because uh, certainly on social media, there's uh, there's a fair bit of angst about England, about the way England went about their business today. Uh, there's a fair amount of angst about the team selection, the bowler selection. You know, we've spoken so much about baseball, but we've kind of forgotten that you do need bowlers as well as batters. You know, baseball is very much associated with the way England go about their batting, but. Today, uh, again, um, uh, you know, I'll put it to you that England looked a little bit one-paced. They bowled a lot of good balls, um, but they also bowled a lot of bad balls. And Australia, for me, showed the intent that maybe that they were, at, were lacking at Edgbaston, almost like they had a little bit of a point to prove. Um, uh, but uh, from your perspective, you know, from a, an England bowler's perspective, how did you think uh, the England bowlers went about their business today? Because at one point, before those two quick wickets for Joe Root, the scorecard, Jimmy Anderson aside, who went for uh, under two and over, uh, and also saw a drop of, um, of Kawaja, went on one by Joe Root at first slip. Uh, England were, were leaking runs, and at no point, you know, and when you consider England bowled first here, at no point did it feel, to me, um, like they had Australia's batters under anything approaching, the kind of pressure that you would associate with a bowl first pitch. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And when I look at the way the day went, I thought, England won a good toss and there was no question I thought England for the first hour put the ball in a decent area created chances and then it just seemed that the, the, the two catches that were dropped I thought Joe Roots was a difficult catch low down I thought Ollie Popes hit him hard and on the slowness pitch he had to be a little bit closer and a, you know, that made the, the quick nick the sharp chance was always going to hit him hard and it seemed as though it hit him before he, he even got his hands above his waist um, but Saying that, John, the international cricket, these should be taken. You know, Jimmy Anderson will be saying, them, them wickets should have been taken. And then from there, I thought England looked flat. Take nothing away from Australia. They played beautifully. They really did. I thought they put, put England under pressure. My concern is Josh Tung looked probably the only one that, when he hit the pitch hard, that the wicket was doing something. And that worries me because you know, a tall guy, 90 mile an hour, hits the pitch hard. I wouldn't like to have seen Pat Cummins on there first thing this morning. Josh Shaleswood on there first thing this morning. So from that point of view, I, I, I thought England of, of getting out of jail. They've turned an absolute shocking day into a, a bad day. Um, but not all is lost in that in that England dressing room. And they have to they have to have that approach coming into it. I thought the bowlers looked tired a little bit. They looked a bit leggy. They looked a bit floaty. I've a huge question mark on Ollie Robinson. Is he fit? Is he fit? That's my big question on Ollie Robinson. He's had a lot to say. But I want to know if he's fully fit because whether the the injury, the ankle injury, is stopping him from really sort of hitting the deck hard and snapping through his action. Um, he doesn't look as though he's old, his old sort of snappy self, hitting the deck hard and creating a little nip off, you know, taking the ball away from the batter. And whether and I don't think he's gone back to his old self as in sort of put weight on and his lifestyle. I think it, this must be a, a, an ankle or the, the foot problem he had. Um, I question whether Ollie Robinson is fit, but uh, Joe Root is getting England's England's bowlers out of a lot of trouble, and then they're hanging on, hanging on for dear life in this Ashes series. Because if Australia go on and get 400, 450, 500, which they did look like doing around about five o'clock tonight in this first innings, then you're looking as though you're thinking, well, Ash, uh, you know, the Ashes, England are going to do well to hold on to the Ashes here. 
Well, it was looking like it could be a one-innings uh, game for Australia. They were looking, you know, looking good for a 550-600 and then pressure back on England. But, you know, you were at Lords today. Did it, did it not just feel a bit flat in the crowd or after Edgbaston? And, you know, that was a, that was as an electric atmosphere as you're ever going to get in English cricket. You know, was it always going to struggle to match that? And of course, there's no Barmy Army here, is there? I think you were speaking on breakfast about that earlier this morning. This, and when you don't have, when you see to the left of me up here in the media centre, there's a huge bank of, of Australia fans who have toured together and they're allowed to sit together. But I, you don't get the English fans doing the same thing, do you? So I just felt that it was surprisingly subdued when you consider how far down the, the road the queues went today. Yeah, and I, I think that comes with the, the sort of flatness of the performance. I think, you know, the first hour, um, I thought England were all right. I thought they were at it. I thought the, the energy levels were quite good. I don't think the protest that, that came on had any effect, adverse effect on, on England's, the way they came out of the of that old great pavilion. Um, and I thought England put the ball in the right, not a bad area first up, and then it just seemed to change with the drop catches. And that seemed to transform, you know, to, to, to come over to the crowd as well. And I, I just don't know. I just the whole day seemed flat for me. Lords is like that. Lords can be like that. England team, do they need the crowd to lift them? Did the, la- did the last week take a hell of a lot out of them at Edgebaston? I just don't know. But one thing's for sure: um, if England have another deer like they did to deer in this test match of the next four then England will go 2-0 down in the Asasha series and that for me it'll be a point of, of probably no return so hopefully England will turn it round and we'll get to a point where they'll have a, a better day tomorrow and bring themselves back into the test match but um, they will certainly have to perform better than they did, it, they did today Yours- a lot of people got in contact, by the way, didn't they, on uh, cricket underscore TS. The Exod Robin saying, this is a dire bowling performance, ill-disciplined, wild variation in length and line, ridiculous number of no balls, uh, slow. It's like 1993 England have turned up here. Harry Watts says, dismal, one of the worst days in this Stokes-McCullum era, a dream of a toss to win and just thrown it all away. One thing I will say is, though, Australia, if they were lucky at Edgbaston, they were certainly fortunate in that first session. I think Crickviz had the, uh, the the wicket expectance, which in a sense is, you know, when you when you bear in mind the, the, the deliveries that were bowled and the shots that were played and how in control the batters were, you know, they could have been four or five down at lunch. But that's test cricket, isn't it? They, they rode their luck. And then when the, when the sunshine came out, it started to burn through the cloud and conditions eased. They kind of took advantage of it. And actually, those two wickets in four balls are what it was and that Joe Root uh, over has, as you say, just brought England back into this clash. It certainly has. And you're listening to Following On, Ashes Inquest here on TalkSport with me, Steve Armisen, and TalkSport cricket editor John Norman as we look back day one of the second Ashes test between England and Australia at Lords. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. I think it was a complete waste of time for it to just stop oil. I think it's a great shame that it comes into the sporting community. Very disappointing. Whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, give them the voice and try and encourage them not to basically be disruptive. As a complete irrelevant protest, what has cricket got to do with oil? Nothing to do with us. Don't understand it. Let's listen, let's understand, and let them do what they want in a peaceful way and keep it out of sport. The world's in turmoil and there must be better things you can do with your time than throw a bit of orange dust on a a perfectly innocent cricket pitch. Completely unnecessary. They are shooting themselves in the foot. They're going to lose the public support and it's time to stop it. Uh, You're listening to Following On Ash's Inquest um, and that is just a a smattering of uh, the reaction to the protest that took place uh, between the first and second over of the day um, from uh, Just Stop Oil. Three protesters made their way onto the field. Two of them uh, crossed the boundary. One of them didn't. Uh, one of them was uh, lifted up and carried back over the boundary by Johnny Bairstow. Uh, one of them wasn't. Ben Stokes got involved. I think David Warner at one stage. It was like England and Australia joining yeah. forces against Just Stop Oil. Um, but look, there's, uh, there's different views. I mean, there was yeah. a big roar from uh, the stand when uh, that alerted me to the fact that these guys and gals were coming on the field. And you could just imagine uh, the thoughts of uh, those assembled, or those in the stands. They were thinking, I paid 200 quid for my ticket. I don't want to just see one over before you, you know, you ruin the strip. But uh, it wasn't uh, and it didn't come to pass, but uh, certainly was a, an eventful start of the day. Um, but, Steve Harmson, it was a day that Australia dominated. Alongside me in the box here in the media centre at Laws is Jared Kimber. Where do you want to start, Jared? Because that was, uh, that was a strange day, really. And, <laughs> and, and you know, you could, you're, look, I, I imagine he's a pretty good poker player. I mean, he's going to go all in whatever hand he's got, Ben Stokes. But there was just a little bit of a smile when he won the toss. It was an important one when you go into a match without a spinner and the conditions look absolutely tailor-made for seam and swing. And, of course, England got those. That, that they kind of got. Five something. of them. 
exactly. But it just didn't play out that way, did it? No, I, look, I think they probably created almost enough chances, but I, I think like, Harmy would probably agree with me. They didn't really create the pressure that goes with those chances. So if you look at Marnus's pitch map, how many half volleys he seemed to get? And and I think some of this, it was funny, you know, Ollie Robertson was saying, you know, Australia need to learn from us. Well, they did. They came down the wicket. They they batted out of their crease. I've never seen Usman Khawaja leave his... Uh, Usman Khawaja doesn't like leaving his crease when he's taking a single, let alone, you know, before the ball is bowled. Steve Smith was coming down the wicket as well. So it wasn't like a normal Australian batting um, performance. And I think they did upset England's lengths. And because of that, England coughed up a lot of easy balls. But the other thing that they did was they just kept bowling back-to-back bad balls. Now, Australia just kept hitting you know, one boundary with another one to follow over and over again. And because of that, they, you know, I don't think England could find a good length long enough to keep them under any pressure. So even if they did beat the bat, it wasn't followed up by another ball beating the bat. It was usually followed up by a half volley. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what what happens sometimes when you win the toss and you know Jared you, you, you you've been in, in cricket dressing rooms you know from an analyst point of view and you win the toss and the captain says we'll bowl first mm. straight away there's pressure but it shouldn't fall it shouldn't feel too much pressure because you've got broad and anderson in your group and they've been there done it many many times but it just seemed as though england went on that field and i might be a million mile wrong but possibly just expecting it to happen you know, we're going to put the ball in the right area. And unfortunately, England just put it in the area. They didn't bowl it into the area. They didn't have any aggression into the area. And I think because of that, that highlights what the point you've just made, that the pitch map was either you know far too full or far too short. And it was floaty. They couldn't mm. afford this this bowling attack, other than Josh Chung, can't afford to be short against anybody, never mind Manus Labuschagne and Steve Smith, Travis Head. So from that point of view, I think that's where England was. And I think by the time England got the grips grips of what was going on, the two batters were in, they were set. And that's as aggressive I've seen sort of Smith come out when he's he's sort of first 25 balls. That's That's as aggressive I've seen Steve Smith play. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was because he was down the wicket harming as well. Yeah. So they just weren't getting that length to him because he he made them play a different style of game. But you're right. Him and Manus, I think their first 60 runs was at about six and a half runs and over. Uh, and that's not how either of them play. And and, and they weren't, it wasn't baseball style other than, the you know, batting out of the crease, which is baseball style. But it wasn't baseball style hitting. It was just punishing balls. But but you're right. It was a little bit floaty from England. They, they put the ball roughly in the right area um, at times, but Australia were actually making them do a lot more than that and look I do think there was enough good I think there's another day where you have that exact same session and or you know first session and a half and Australia lose four four and a half five wickets um, without any question there but it wasn't that kind of day partly because Australia never let England settle I mean I don't know if you guys have talked about uh, David Warner playing a sweep shot against Stuart Broad like uh, that was a remarkable moment, but that was his way of going, you're not going to be able to just bowl on this channel to me. I am going to actually take you on. That wasn't what was happening in the previous six tests when Broad and uh, Warner were going up against each other in England. No, and I think that uh, David Warner has already gone past the run tally that he managed in the entire of the 2019 Ashes. You know, he scored 95 runs in in five test matches and uh, he's he's exceeded that. We've, we've had some reaction and I suppose we were always going to get this at some stage because, you know, a lot of people have bought into the baseball era um, but there are still some people and there's, well, and they've, they might have a point but uh, are angry by what they've seen and heard uh, and if you're one of them, 
or if you want to defend it, please get in contact 03717 or text 81089. We've had uh, a lot of texts in. Dan from Crew says, is it time that the whole England squad got a rollicking from McCullum and the coaches. It seems to all to have been a bit too nicey-nice. Uh, complacency has crept in, and uh, uh, we've had uh, another text in saying, maybe we're at the funeral gates of Basball. I hope Australia <laughs> gets 600 and leave us an hour to bat tomorrow night, and I hope we lose by an innings. We might then stop being fascinated by... Crawley's Quo, which um, is a delightful turn of phrase. Uh, look, get in contact with us here on TalkSport, 03717 Text us at 81089 or drop us a tweet at cricket underscore TS. Did we see a bit of basball, though, from Australia in, ret- in return today? You know, it's, yes. I mean, essentially, Travis Head's been playing basball for two years, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Travis Head has for a while. I, th- I think what Harmy said about Smith and Lubbershane is probably more the change that we saw. But, but the truth is that... It, <laughs> I, I, I put this to you, Harmi. There's two different things of, of baseball. The first one is the philosophy that, you know, Brendan McCullum and the drinking culture and we're going to declare, you know, in, in the afternoon whenever we want to at any time. But the other side of baseball is that basically what they did with their with their batting is that they said, you're not going to bowl line and length to us anymore because we're going to come down the wicket or we're going to smash you back over your head, right? And then the second part of that is when they were bowling, they were very clever with their bowling fields and their bowling pressure and that they backed up Anderson and Broad very much with with the way that they set their fields. They didn't do that today. And Australia was the one who put all the pressure on by take, uh, taking um, taking them on on their length. Yeah, and I, I'd, look, I mean, I'd go a little bit further on that and say, do you know what? I think it was the way if Smith and Labuschagne came out and scored six and over because they were given six and over. I think England bowled six and over balls. I think the ball far too floaty, far too full, expecting it to move, expecting it to nip, expecting it to swing. Didn't happen. So the, the sort of that, metronomical way that England have gone about their fielding and they've gone about their bowling plans and gone about the way this new regime has gone that out went that went out the window because the ball wasn't doing what they were expecting to do and I think England were just I think England were shell-shocked I really do think England were shell-shocked and I think they have to come back tomorrow and drag it back the seamers definitely have to perform better with a second new ball um, but when it comes to the the terminology of basketball it's just to play cricket with freedom and I think what Travis Head's done and majority of his career, you know more, more, more than me, Jared, but he's played with freedom and a lot of his a lot of his career. He's seen the ball, he's gone out the ball and he's hit the ball. Where, you know, Smith and Labashane have been a little bit more reserved. They didn't have to be reserved today. It was given to them. England bowled poorly at at um and they fielded poorly mm. and they caught poorly. It was just a poor day all round for the England cricket team. And it's one, like I said in the opener, if we have another day like this during these next four days, we will go to Headingley 2-0 down in the ashes. Yeah, Travis Head's interesting because he's got so many flaws as you know in his batting. Obviously, he can't play off-spin as he's gone out of his way to show why Australia didn't pick him in India now. He's gone out to the off-spinners three times in this series. But he does take a lot of risk, and that actually is much more like the normal baseball style, right? Which is, uh, well, I'm not 100% sure on my game, but I do think I can score really quickly and put pressure back on you. He did that all the way through. Eventually, he loses his wicket to root. That wasn't what Marnus and Steve Smith were doing, right? They were not taking any risk. They no. were just punishing bad balls again. And you have a look at these bowling figures, Harmy. I mean, uh, Robertson should never be going for, what, four runs and over? Over for four runs yeah. and over. Anderson went at under two runs and over. And I think everyone else was over four um, until Root came on at the end and had maybe the luckiest over I've ever seen any human being have. And to me in this, sorry, no, just to come on to that, 
Steve Smith and, and Martin Slabashin, for me, bat, if you want to go on the sort of baseball terminology, they both batted exactly the same way Joe Root's batted in this team for the last mm. the last year, where he's 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 come down the wicket with with comfort ease in total control and clipped the ball through mid wicket, and then he's made the ball go up, the bowler go outside off stump, and when England have got no when you've got no pace on it, and when you've got no nip through the air, and it's not you know, got you know, lateral sideways movement. Then all of a sudden, it becomes so much easier to face. I sat there watching it on, and I watched, to be fair, I watched a lot of it on TV today. And I'm sitting there going, that's a throwdown. That's a throwdown. That's a half volley. That's a half volley. Why are we bowling half volleys at Smith and Labashir, number one, number two batsman in the world? And it just constantly went on and on and on. And I think, I don't think England will come back tomorrow and be the same as today. I think there will be an injection. The, you know, the last text. A rollicking from from McCollum. I think Ben Stokes is going. I think Ben Stokes is aggressive in that dressing room, and I think there'll be one or two in that dressing room now looking over their shoulders and going, "Right, if we don't perform in this this second innings, England go two nil down. I might lose my players, and if I lose my players, and there's two of them especially, if I lose my players, is my career sort of over? And I don't want to go too heavy on you know Broaden Anderson's career's over after one bad deal like this." But all of a sudden, if England have a bad day and they lose this test match in the next four, then we are going to have to go and have a gamble with our bowling attack going up to Headingley. And if that works and we come back into the series, then we keep going with that. So all these permutations from this selection of Broad, Anderson and Robinson, unfortunately for today, has come back to haunt England. OK, well, look, uh, I did mention that uh, delightful turn of phrase that we had um, from, a, from a texter who said, stop being fascinated about Crawley's quo which I think is actually really quite quite brilliant. Actually, it was just half a text and I didn't get the rest of the message. So I'll read, so read it out. It's actually even better. I would suggest this is the greatest message that Talks was ever received in 25 years. And I'm going to read it all. It's from Dan. He says, maybe we were at the funeral gates of baseball, which I've already said, but anyway, it's worth it. I hope Australia gets 600 and leave us an hour to bat tomorrow night. And I hope we lose by an innings. We might then stop being fascinated by Crawley's quoting... Chinese parables and treating defeat and victory with equanimity and get off messianic message about keeping test cricket alive this approach sure as hell is killing it which is a very fair point uh, we'll talk about that very shortly let's hear from David Warner though explaining his attacking style yeah look I've been practicing in the nets and obviously with the white ball I play it quite a bit um, I always said the back of my mind if they set a field where the goal is going to be square on, on a square boundary um, and just trying to hit their lengths, I'd play it in the back of my mind. So I did that. Um, the second one was more, yeah, more of like a bit of a, a length thing. I felt like um, the line that he was bowling, if you fractionally bowled it a little, a little bit shorter, I could actually go with it and play that shot. So yeah, it, is, um, it is risky, um, but in the back of my mind, I'm looking to score and try and put them off their line of length. So for me, um, I, I just tried to do that, yeah. Well, there's David Warner speaking. Um, he was out for 66. You know, the two most famous members of this batting lineup are David Warner and Steve Smith. And Steve Smith, I mean, the numbers are, are ridiculous. Uh, we were talking about him off air. I know that you've got a, uh, a, a book coming out at some point. I don't know if that's public yet, but anyway. Steve Smith, you are of the opinion, if he continues in this vein for the next three years, is essentially going to be rated as the second best batter in the history of the game. Yeah, I mean, there are probably people who are already there. I, d I think he needs the longevity. Jack Hobbs and Sachin Tendulkar had ridiculously long careers. And I think, 
We need a couple more years from Smith. Also, he had a pause in the middle, which was in his prime as yeah, well. What happened then? I forgot. Should yeah. we talk about that? I think it, 25 I minutes. I think he needed to rest from making all the runs. But yeah, okay. uh, um, but yeah I, I think it, we just haven't seen anything like this before. He's so consistent. He's so on top of his game. And he plays in a style that we just have never had before. I think Crickby's put a stat up today that said he, he gets the third most balls in the world aimed at his stumps. And yet he walks across his stumps every time. And he never seems to go out to them. It's remarkable the consistency of hitting he has. Uh, from what should be... yeah, He's on the move, isn't he, Harmy? It's it's not a normal shot to play and he almost never misses it. He's on the move, but at the point of contact or the ball the ball is released, he's in a position, he's in a still head position, which is you know, absorbing the ball into him and his hands are coming to the in a straight line to where he's trying to hit the ball. So he's not going across himself. So when you look at someone like Zach Crawley, because just been mentioned in the last text, when Zach Crawley at the point of contact with you know when the ball's left and the point of contact his head is outside the line of the ball and his hands are looking to hit the ball sometimes in the opposite direction to where his body shape is going and that's why Zach Crawley gets into trouble Steve Smith looks from a visual point of view similar but actually when you stop it and you you get a still image of when he's making contact with a ball, his head's right over the his eye line's right in the, the position you want as a kid to tell him and his hands are going back through the line of the ball to the place he's aiming the ball to go in. And that's why, that's the difference between Steve Smith and somebody like Zach Crawley. Jared Kimber, you've got to do some work. Yeah. You want to get out of here? Yeah, why not? Jared, uh, we'll be back uh, throughout the series uh, here on Talk Sport. Thank you very much for your time. Um, still got plenty to talk about, though, on the show. And please get involved. 81089 on the text. Call us on 03717222344 or via social media. Twitter at cricket underscore TS. We're going to be hearing from uh, Josh Tung uh, very shortly. We will uh, uh, be reflecting on plenty more of the action that has taken place uh, today here at Lords, where Australia, you've got to feel, uh, despite those two late wickets, have taken, uh, well, a big step towards making sure they're not going to be going to Headingley all square. But, well... Could Joe Root have been the saviour for England once again, but with the uh, the ball rather than bat? We'll find out tomorrow, but still plenty to talk about here on TalkSport. You're listening to myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and this is following on Ash's Inquest. Hitting you for six with top order cricket conversation. Following on Ash's Inquest on TalkSport. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest uh, with myself, John Norman, at Lords and Steve Harmison, double Ashes winner. Um, OK, let's talk about Josh Tung, actually, because, uh, you know, he picked up uh, a couple of really big wickets. He looked a threat and he's only playing in his second ever test match for England. And both of those test matches are taking place at uh, Lords. Uh, he's been speaking following uh, a good day for Australia, but still, I imagine, uh, positive for England's chances moving forward. I think we were really unlucky in the first hour. There was a lot of player misses. Um, I think going into lunch, we, they could have easily been four or five down. Um, I thought we stuck as a unit very well. Um, and obviously getting that wicket just before lunch, I thought, just made us think we could get a few more after the lunch break. Two wickets at Root we got were very crucial for the, for the time of the game. Obviously, they were going at a good rate, um, a few runs. Um, but I think that's crucial. And hopefully tomorrow morning we can get a couple more wickets early. I mean, we've heard from Josh Tung. We heard from Jared Kimber. Um, we heard from Andrew Jacobs uh, th- throughout the day and, and Hawksby and Jacobs. 
I've spoken, you've spoken. England were desperately unlucky in that first session, weren't they, Harmy? And Neil's got in contact. He says, it's day one. We have another four days to go. Come on, boys. Be a bit more positive. Basball will come good. And and, and that's it, isn't it? You, you are allowed bad days. England have hit back late on the day. They bowl Australia out for 400. At least it, you're not facing a 550, 600, and you're under pressure for two days. You know, if they give up 400, 425 in first innings, They'll back their chances to knock that off and, and and have a lead by the end of tomorrow. Yeah, I'm with you, Neil. Honestly, I am. I really want England to have a good second day and going into you know the the remainder of this Test match. Um, but when I looked at today, you have to look at what's on show, and they were good for the first hour, and then it seemed to go flat. My worry is that the the surface that we're playing on. I think it suits the hit-the-deck bowler. I thought Josh Tung bowled beautifully. I really did. I thought he bowled with a good aggression. Um, forget being expensive at the start, because he's not in the team to be... You know, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad and, and Ollie Robinson are there to keep the run rate down. Stuart, you know, Josh Tung is there to take wickets. And the the ball he got with David Warner, it, it, he'll not he'll not have bowled a better ball than that in his, test, in his, in his, his, his whole career, um, let alone his, his short test match career, because it was... a round the wicket going back down the slope yeah, swinging through the gate and you cut David Warner in two who was going well at the time you know Warner 66 of 88 balls putting really pressure on on the England attack so and if Josh Tung's doing that then I think Hazelwood and, and Cummins will fancy their chances on this surface but there's experience in that dressing room a lot of experience in that dressing room especially in the bowling department um, and I'm sure, I know for a fact, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Brawl will be hurting after today. And there's no doubt they will come back firing tomorrow. Um, and if you're saying, John, you're right, if England can get for, get them out for 425, then they're still in the game. Because the more they get in the first innings Australia, that's the bigger run chase that England potentially have later on in the test match. And if the pitch steers you know good and true and it you know it wasn't too bad in the island it did get a lot easier and it took England a long time to get Ireland out especially their tail enders um if that's the case then that will inc- give England encouraging signs for the, the the fourth innings of the game but looking at the way it is now if they go beyond 450 500 that chase could be in excess of 350 towards 400 and even this team this mentality the way England player that might just be out of their reach Mate, they'll still have a tea time booked for Sunday. Yeah. Um, we did have a, an incredible moment here today. We've seen it at other sporting events, uh, snooker and horse racing and the like. Uh, Just Stop Oil protesters did make it their way onto the field of play. Uh, it did remind me, Johnny Bairstow, I'm sure everybody's seen it now. Everybody knows what's happened. If you didn't, essentially Johnny Bairstow prevented one of the protesters from sprinkling the, uh, the orange-coloured powder on the strip. Um, by basically picking him up and, and walking him off the field. It reminded me of that famous moment when the uh, the late Andrew Simons uh, body-checked uh, a streaker in a game, an ODI match back in 2008, I think it was. Uh, Australia were playing India. A guy ran on the field, completely starkers, jumped over the, uh, over the wicket, and uh, he was knocked sprawling uh, by Andrew Simons. Anyway, let's hear what Josh Tung had to say about Just Stop All. No one's spoke to me about anything. Um, I'll, for myself, I wouldn't probably go towards them just in case they would have had anything else on them. Um, obviously, Johnny doing that, maybe he shouldn't have done that, but I don't know the protocol with that. 
yeah, it was it was interesting. It was it was comical. It was funny to see Johnny pick somebody up. Um, ben Stokes grabbed another one. There was another one. Another the protester didn't get quite under the field. Um, I, I'm I'm smiling a little bit because you know the, the the protesters. It's not a cheap place to go and protest. You know, Lords. It's about what, 180 pound a ticket. Um, to get into Lords today, so you've you've paid three tickets for the for the protest, and um, you've not seen a ball bowl in you know, in England's terms, in in the uh, in the in the terms of um, of the protest, it didn't it didn't succeed either because of um, the the damage wasn't done to the pitch, and, and fortunately um, they made the protest. People have have their opinion, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, I'd rather a peaceful protest somewhere else and not bring it into the sporting arena. But at the end of the day, it happened. It was dealt with, and hopefully, you know, everybody's a winner and we we all move on. So let's hear now from former England captain and coach David Bumble Lloyd. He joined Paul Huxby and Andy Jacobs just before the tea break, and he bemoaned the atmosphere inside Lords throughout the day. At Edgebast and the. The team responded to the crowd, mm. and the, I just thought this morning it meandered along. There was nothing really happened, and then three people run on doing all sorts of things, bat changes, glove changes, drinks, and nothing really happened. And then you look at that attack. I agree with you. I, I just like variation to have a spinner up your sleeve because they just change the bowling. It's another quick bowling from any end. Right well, arm as well. Two decisions given, then overturned. So that wasn't great, was it, for the umpires? No, the umpires have, have also not had a great day. Uh, the catch that went down, I thought it was really difficult to root. Did it land? Did it not? Uh, but the one to Pope was quite straightforward. So England not taking the chances exactly as the same at Edgebaston. And I have had a lot of luck. You, you need that little bit of luck, but I think they've been diligent as well. Uh, they seize that opportunity well we bat first they get through that morning session that's so important you might have a couple of casualties but 182 for two they're going into calmer waters now and it, I'm just looking around the ground and everybody's they're like statues everybody's just sat there there's nothing happening the team are, there's one lad on, on his knees polishing the ball there's a field change it's not no. what I'd expect from England. No, One nil down in the ashes. Yeah. Really disappointed about Maybe it's time for Harry Brook to come on. We need a bit of a walk. Bring, on, bring on Brook. There's only one man. And what about <laughs> Duckett? Yeah. Where's that? You know, sometimes how often you can see that just something like that can, you can get yeah, a crowd yeah. going. Just something. Yeah, we've not. That's that's a great point because equally the, the team haven't lifted the crowd. Mm, yeah, no, I always think that in yeah. sport, in all sport, it's oh, a two-way yeah. street. There's so yeah. much put on the onus on the crowd, but you've got to give them something. You've got to give them something I mean, to get behind. We'll, we'll never know what England would have been in these conditions, but they wouldn't have been 182 for two. I promise you. God, oh, I, I wouldn't have fancied that against that attack. But it no. didn't swing. I just thought that it was going to swing this morning. Sultry over class. The lights are on, but it didn't swing. There's that little bit of movement Stuart Broad balled okay Tongs balled okay but it, it's samey it's the same attack you need a spinner yeah we've had a few no balls as well there's been quite a lot of that going on there's been a, a, there was a bit of sloppiness at times isn't there well you know I was conscious of that at Edgebaston that it, it went sort of unnoticed that England ball 24 no balls Australia 4 yeah. Uh, David Lloyd speaking with uh, Hawksby and Jacobs earlier today. The no-ball problem that reared its head at Edgbaston, where it's continued. It was Stuart Broad and Ben Stokes 
who were, uh, you know, erring in terms of uh, getting their foot uh, uh, incorrectly positioned at point of delivery. It was Ollie Robinson today. Six no balls for him. Another three for Ben Stokes and one apiece for Anderson Broad and uh, and also Josh Tong. What, I mean, you know, what, this isn't a problem that's been really a part of England's game over the last uh, year or so. So it surprises me that it's coming to the fore now. Yeah, it's just reaching, stretching, trying to just get to the crease, trying too hard. Things aren't working. Your rhythm's not there. All that comes into it. When you know, I keep saying the human element of the bowling action is if you could, if you can master that, boy, you'd be a rich man. I mean, you would be. And if you could understand how it works and got it sort of going day upon day and rhythmical, um, there's not many that have, have nailed it. Jimmy Anderson, probably one of the only ones um, who bowled a couple of no balls himself. So that tells you as well that England just had an off day, had a really poor off day with the ball. They're not out of the game um, and they need to come back firing tomorrow. And it's amazing when things are going well and you're hitting your straps ball's moving about, the catchers are getting caught and you're you know, taking the outside edge. You'd be amazed there's no extras, no no balls. But unfortunately, things aren't going well. You straight down leg side, you clip off the other pad, you get a leg by, a four leg by. All of a sudden, the, the extras start mounting up just as much as a, an individual score. And that becomes you know, a, a real pain in the backside for you as a bowling unit. Scott Boland wasn't picked for this test match. As we uh, suggested last night, it was Mitchell Stark that Australia went with. What kind of problems is he going to be fa- uh, forcing or is it, what kind of problems is he going to be posing uh, the England batters tomorrow when uh, England come out to bat? I'm pleased Scott Boland's not bowling on that. I really am. I was looking at that surface. It just looked, the harder you hit it, um, the more you got out of it. You know, as Bumble said there, there wasn't a great deal of swing. It was a very, very slow surface, placid surface, which it seemed a little bit. But Josh Tung was the only one that really made the ball talk on that surface. I mean, he used the slope wisely. And I think you look at Cummins, you look at Hazelwood, who are more sort of hit-the-deck bowlers. Um, and Scott Boland would have been a, a real handful on that this morning. But... As it gets flatter, as the sun dries it, as there's less movement, moisture in the surface, then Mitchell Stark becomes an even bigger tool because he he doesn't really need the surface. He's quick through the air like Mark Wood is. He gets the ball, if it does swing, to swing late, um, and he will use the slope to his advantage. So another tick in a positive box for Australia in the selection of Mitchell Stark. You mentioned Mark Woods. Of course, he isn't playing here today. Uh, Josh Tung did really well, actually. He took those two wickets. Um, but do we expect to see him? I mean, the, 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 the feeling was, listening to Ben Stokes in the press conference before this match, was that Mark Wood wasn't quite ready for this Test match. Is he going to be ready for the, for the Headingley Test match? Because, of course, um, they would have wanted him for the first match, wouldn't they, Mark Wood? I mean, what... What options are England going to have if, if Mark Wood isn't available? Um, the same options that are available now and whether they, they go with, a, they would bring a Wokes into the, the, the contest. He fielded quite a bit today. Uh, it depends, John. If England are 2-0 down, going ahead and they've got no, they've got no, there's no option here. You have to pick Mark Wood. And unfortunately, uh, you know, for Josh Tung, even though the workload he's, he's had, you're probably going to have to roll him back out and say, you're going to have to play again. 
because we're two 0 down. We have to we have to make this make the run in this series. We have to win the next three games to win the Ashes. So that's these are all the conundrums and these are all the pitfalls I foresaw right at the start of the series. That if England pick the wrong bowling con- combinations, and it's all well and good saying we look to pick the best team for the next game. There's five test matches in a short space of time. You have to work to the theory that if there's if there is you know a chance that you might lose a game, then you have to have an option and a change of game plan. And unfortunately, at this minute in time, Broad Anderson and Robinson on two you know slower surfaces have really lo- haven't really looked as threatening as what the quick bowlers have. So going into Headingley, if this game continues to go the way it has today, England might have to gamble. And then you look at Wood and Chong with possibly a spinner because I think we've seen in passages of today we missed the spinner to hold it together. And then you'd have to probably pick between Prod, Anderson and Robinson um, which one has a which two has a rest and which one goes for the third time. Oh, but Headingley, these are the, the other selection conundrums that are inevitable when it comes to the end of the game. Um, but it just depends on what happens in the middle of the game on where the series goes when it goes to Leeds. Okay, uh, let's hear now from an Australian supporter who's taken uh, a unique journey to get to Lords uh, for day one of the second test. Uh, Matt from Tasmania travelled to England without a ticket for this test match and uh, has been speaking to Sam Ellard about the journey he's been on and whether he managed to get a ticket for today. Yeah, well, it took uh, about 58 hours from Tasmania, so I got a, got a ship from Tasmania to Melbourne and then I flew from Melbourne to Sydney Sydney to Guangzhou in China, China to Cyprus, and then Cyprus to London. So a bit 58 hours all up, but um, came here with my sign today, didn't have any tickets. And uh, thankfully, another guy called Matt saw me and said, gave me a ticket for free and said, all you got to do is buy me beers for the day. And I I jumped at it and uh, it's been a great day, unreal. I've got to say to you first up, coming over with no ticket. I mean, come on that. Oh, listen, I admire it. I respect it. That's risky, though, isn't it? You come by yourself? Yeah, come by myself. The missus gave me the old clear. She, she's not... not you should a... not say to you. You're mental, Matt. What are you doing? Get a ticket, then go over. I, I offered to bring her, but she, I went... I'm going to try the first two days just to try and get a ticket um, with, with a sign. Uh, someone gave, said, go to the North Gate with a sign. You might be in luck. By the third day, I may have had to... Uh, go and talk to the touts or try and buy something a bit more expensive online but they wanted 500 quid a ticket so I just I waited it out thankfully and um, all's ended up great for me yeah and then are you trying to are you going to try and do the same thing tomorrow try and get a ticket again tomorrow is the plan to try and do the same thing for all five days ah well it's gone all right so far so yeah might come back here tomorrow and uh, try my luck again like it's gonna rain if the rain stays off tomorrow I'll be back but uh Definitely keen to uh, get to a couple more days. Oh, it's just as well he, uh, he didn't bump into Alan Brazil giving away a free ticket. You know, oh, you can buy my drink all day. Yeah. It would have cost him much more than 500 quid. I know, what, I know one thing, John. The way, the way the day's gone, you know, it could be expensive the next two hours if he was buying my beer, never mind Alan Brazil's. <laughs> oh, well, good on him. I tell you what, they've travelled in numbers. It's, you can feel the anticipation. They really expect something to the Aussie fans, and uh, they got they got so much stick at Edgbaston, didn't they? But here at Lords, it's a bit more sedate, and they're enjoying themselves a little bit more. But fair play, it just shows it's not just the uh, the Brits that tour well. Uh, the Aussies are here as well. Um, look, we've only got a couple of minutes left in the show. Looking ahead to tomorrow, 
It's um, England just need to be banning by lunch, isn't it? Uh, it's as simple as that. And then, you know, one of the, one of the things, and you've kind of talked about it already in the last hour. But when Stuart Broad was bowling with that second new ball, the the ball was almost bouncing before it reached uh, Johnny Bairstow behind the stumps. So uh, it's not like it's a terror track, is it? And very often, as you say, this pitch actually gets better to bat. Graham Swan was on the breakfast show earlier today. He said days two and three will be the best days to bat. So, you know, England will still fancy themselves and they're, they're going to look to come out and put Australia back on the back foot. It's just about taking those last five wickets and making sure Steve Smith uh, doesn't go too far into the day. That's Steve Smith's the key, the key dismissal now. And that is that's the game for England. Steve Smith goes on and gets 150, 160 and beyond then I, I struggle to see a way back for England, trying to be as, as possible, pos- uh, positive as I possibly can. Um, the, England will hope they, got, they get conditions like they got this morning. And this time, the ball has got a little bit more on it. Um, they will learn that they've put the ball in a better area. And hopefully this time, take the catch. And that is, is something that needs to happen. The bowlers have got to be backed up in the field. And if they do that tomorrow and England can bowl them out for less than 450, 425, and it does steer flat and goes well, uh, a one in second innings game, will I think England will take that right now. And hopefully, um, I'm not saying England couldn't do any worse than what they did today because they did some good things today. Um, but their energy levels um, and their aggression... Something this team has been very, very good at over the course of the last 12 months that has to be at its at its highest. Because if not, um, I think this tough-nosed Australians will walk all over them. Uh, I take it we're not going to see Harry Brook bowl tomorrow? Fingers crossed. Let's hope not, eh? Something's, Fingers crossed. Australia will definitely be batting past lunch if Brook comes on to bowl. Yeah, and I just don't, and I don't want Joe Root to bowl too much either. Because if we go to a one innings game and it's a fourth innings contest, and England have to chase above three hundred, we don't want our premier batter bowling more than you know forty overs in his test match. And all of a sudden, so far he's bowled eight. Um, if the ball goes a bit softer later on tomorrow, and England bat, Australia bat for a long time, you could see Joe. You know, trying to hold the game, you know, leading into possibly what would be an Australian declaration, and that is something that we don't need. That's the biggest thing we don't need. We don't need the body of Joe Root being too, you know, damaged before he possibly has to bat for two innings. Okay, well, look, the game's still uh, very much alive. We've got four full days. Uh, the weather doesn't look great. Uh, early doors tomorrow. I think we're going to get a full day's play, but certainly this cloud cover that's been uh, in and around northwest London today is expected for tomorrow as well, and then hopefully it'll burn off, and then England will bat, and we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about a brilliant and sparkling uh, first wicket partnership of 240 overs, and England are back in the game. You can but dream. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket 
today.